Come on now, fellas. We've got to answer the bell. Now let's go. Welcome to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It's a Monday Mirror Edition, and we'll look back at the weekend in sports for the duration of the show. We're here until 4 o'clock. Hope you guys will hang out with us. And if you're watching on demand, well, we're here for the next two hours, whatever time that makes it. So. <laughs> <laughs> two hours from whenever you start. Yeah, we're here till 4. Whenever you watch it, that's up to you. You know, maybe you got nothing better to do tonight during prime time. We're here, we're here for you at your convenience. At your leisure. There There's no doubt. So I want to make this easy for you. Exactly. Mo, how was the weekend? Sorry. Sorry. Did that's, a little umpiring. That's always good. Not always. Well, not always when you got a catcher that doesn't catch. Yeah, that's the rough part. Yeah. Yeah. Because the gear doesn't cover everything. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I, I know exactly what you mean, and it is not fun. Yeah. It's even less fun when the person checking on you is Sarah Evans, <laughs> the country music singer, because her daughter was the catcher who didn't catch it. Oh, <laughs> oh, that could that, that should have been a little costly for Sarah. Yeah. I'm going to need some autographs, Sarah. That'll make me feel a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that was that was a good day. That was an interesting day, at least. Are you okay? Uh, no, oh, no, my, I'm not. Actually, <laughs> my neck and my back. My neck and my back. thousand No, actually, <laughs> it's a little sore here on the left side. Oh man. Yeah. Oh well, it always. Other than that, but, well, other, other than, than that, and from like, I won't even say from two thirty, from like three forty-five to yeah. six was not great. Well, it's funny because I, I was in Georgia, and at 2.30, I'm looking for the game. <laughs> well, they don't kick off at 2.30 in Georgia. No, they, they kick off at 3.30 3 in Georgia. So I'm like, where is the game? Well, so here's what's funny. Again, <laughs> I got done umpiring right at halftime. Oh, that's brutal. And you so missed the best part. Exactly. <laughs> you missed all the good stuff. Exactly. So I, um, I go to... Um, I go to Brewhouse South after after going to Tin Roof and finding that starting at two thirty, all of our screens will be on the Nebraska game. So apparently they have. They're the Nebraska bar. But if you are looking for Nebraska football in we the, got, we yeah, can help you. Tin Roof on Carruthers, they got you covered. But um, that so is yeah, wild. so yeah, I, I go settle in at Brewhouse South twenty to seven at the half. Let's go. 
They went. Uh, Alabama went. <laughs> Tennessee, no, Tennessee, not so much. Tennessee went too. They got in the bus and left, apparently. Well, you know, it's like <laughs> I texted you. That might have been their best move. I, I think get they out did. of Brian Denny right there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they came back out. I'm pretty sure. Man, that was uh, we're going to talk more about this are. with somebody that has a little bit more insight since neither of us saw the game in its entirety. But right. Ben McKee from um, 24-7 Sports is going to join us in the next segment. So, so it, it was funny because we're, we're at the wedding and uh, the, the tables were set up. You know, your, your seat was selected for you or at least what table you were going to be at. Well, we were at a table with no four other people from Columbia. Oh. Here? Yeah, because the bride works at United Communications oh, okay. and one of her co-workers lives here and uh, and her friend who came with her, her date, uh, is actually the parent of a Columbia Central basketball player and volleyball player. Yeah, so had some really cool stuff, and, and so we we're watching we're oh, watching the game during mm. dinner, and, and and so we had we saw we saw quite a bit of the first half, and boy we were we were feeling good talking that trash to the groom's parents who are Alabama fans, and that didn't last long. But anyway, yeah, it was it was an interesting weekend. Had a good time in Georgia. Had a great uh, had a really interesting time. But it, spent two nights at the Battery. Went to go. You know, eat something, get get it, get a few drinks, and had a good time. And they had the nerve to be showing baseball on the televisions, and <laughs> other people there had the nerve to be wearing Phillies hats. No, so I was mad. <laughs> it was, it was, no, I, I was about to throw some rolls. <laughs> Pretend it's Lambert. So I, mean, no. I was about to throw stuff. No, but no. Yeah, it, mm. it was rough. But anyway, we've got a lot to get to. It's going to be a good show. Uh, we'll start, however, with the results from the weekend and today's very, very, very short schedule on the rundown. This is the rundown. The Monday rundown is brought to you by Zion Christian Academy. ZCA offers a faith based, Christ centered education in Murray County. Give them a call today at 931-388-5831 or visit ZionEagles.org to schedule your appointment today. Zion Christian Academy, prepared for college, equipped for purpose. Football action on Friday. Smyrna, a 30-26 winner over Antioch. Baylor blanks NBA 35-0. Brentwood does the same to Independence 28-0. It was Innsworth 21, Briarcrest 12, Cane Ridge a 17-14 winner over McGavick. Cheatham County blows out Stewart County 56-7. It was Christian Brothers 18, Father Ryan 14, Clarksville a 28-7 winner. <laughs> Talk about a big second half from the Wildcats there. 28-7 over Rossview. 21 of those points in the second half. It was tied at seven at the half. Ooh. Nashville Christian downs Clarksville Academy 56-12. Northeast was a 30-24 winner over Northwest. Columbia Central down to Lawson 38-3. Cookville was a 28-20 winner over Green Hill. Christ Presbyterian 24. Franklin Road Academy 7. Greenbrier 21. Creekwood 10. Grace Franklin 28-21 winners over DCA setting up a huge game for this week. 
against Columbia Academy. Eagleville was a 33-0 winner over Richland. East Nashville down to Republic, 45-0. East Robertson, 49. White House Heritage, 21. Fairview, 32. Sycamore, 14. Franklin, a 21-7 winner over Mount Juliet for their first win of the year. That's previously winless Franklin, previously unbeaten Mount Juliet. So, yeah. That's why they play the games. Friendship Christian 41, Izo Harding nothing, Hillsboro 49, Glencliff nothing, Davidson Academy 54, Good Pasture 10, East Hickman 22-19 winners over Harpeth, and Houston County edges Joe Burns 15-14. Also, Beach with a 44-9 win over Hunters Lane, Overton defeated Stratford 14-8, Kirkwood 29, Kenwood 20, first win in a while for the Cobras, I believe. Um, Stewart's Creek with a 21 nothing win over Laverne. It was Franklin County 31, Lawrence County 30. But Lawrence County came back from down 31-16 in that one, but couldn't get over the hump. Hendersonville 21, Lebanon 14. It was Liberty Creek 49, Maplewood 20. Lipscomb Academy with a Lipscomb Academy with a 24-17 win over Brentwood Academy. Station Camp 44, Montgomery Central 7, Columbia Academy 62, Mount Juliet Christian nothing. Mount Pleasant with a 35-21 win over Hickman County. Nolansville edges Summit 17-14. Page doubles up Centennial 24-12. Pearl Cone with a 56-6 win over White House. It was Chattanooga Christian 27, Pope Prep 20. Middle Tennessee Christian with a 41-0 win over Providence Christian. Oakland 42 Ravenwood 18, Rockvale 27, Blackman 22, Riverdale all over Siegel 49-7, Gallatin down Springfield 17-7, Tullahoma 29, Spring Hill 7, Lewis County with 43 unanswered in a 43-3 win over Summertown, Wilson Central defeats Warren County 20-12, it was Macon County 34, Watertown nothing, Loretto rallies for a 36-15 road win at Waverly. Battleground Academy with a 51-6 win over the Webb School at Bell Buckle. Dixon County 26, West Creek nothing. Westmoreland 14, Portland nothing. Marshall County 60, Whites Creek 18, and in eight-man football, Sacred Heart of Jesus defeated Zion Christian 36-25. Volleyball State Finals. Cleveland takes Class 3A. 3-0 over Nolansville. Signal Mountain downs Valor Collegiate in AA, 3-1. And Sail Creek upends Loretto, 3-1 in Class A action. Coverage of the latter at MainStreetMurray.com. Girls soccer action from Saturday. Baylor Blanks, Lipscomb Academy, 4-0. USJ, 2. Battleground Academy, 1. Cascade, a 2-1 winner over Cheatham County. Evangel Christian 4-1 over Franklin Road Academy. Hume 5, Blanks Fairview 5-0. Harpeth Hall a 4-1 winner over Chattanooga Christian. Franklin 3, Hendersonville 1. Houston a 9-0 winner over Clarksville. Hutchison School, Blanks Pope Prep 1-0. Liberty Creek was a 9-0 winner over Lead Academy. Merrill Hyde shuts out White House Heritage 2-0. Oakland 5, Ray County nothing. Ravenwood 2-1 winners over Gallatin. Collierville 5, Rossview nothing. Station Camp 9, McNary Central nothing. And Walker Valley 2, Siegel 1. College football of area interest. Um, again, Alabama with a 34-20 win over Tennessee. Tennessee State blanks Lincoln of California 54-0. And in double overtime, it's the Governors of Austin P 48, Southern Utah 45. 
Major League Baseball action over the weekend. The Astros defeated the Rangers 5-4. The Rangers came back with a 9-2 win over the Astros to force what many will tell you are the two greatest words in sports, Game 7. Also, the Diamondbacks with a 6-5 win over Philadelphia. Philadelphia goes back ahead in that series with a 6 what? This says 6-6. Six, six. I know that's not right. Oh, no, it wasn't. So it was 6-1. 6-1. The Phillies with a 6-1 win to go ahead 3-2 in that series. On the ice, the Predators with a 5-1 win over San Jose. On the pitch, the Red Bulls of New York with a 1-0 win over the Nashville Soccer Club. And today's schedule, Game 6, as we refer to Diamondbacks, at Phillies, that's a 4.07 start on TBS. And at 7.03, Texas at Houston, Game 7 at on Fox. Uh, Monday night football tonight, San Francisco is at Minnesota. That game kicks off at 7.15, can be seen on ABC, and that is your rundown. Top stories brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly, the Neely's Mill Shopping Center here in Columbia. Make sure to go see the fine folks at Piggly Wiggly. Anytime you're looking for lunch, they've got great uh, deli meats, vegetables, cobblers, all kinds of great stuff. You can find plenty of fantastic food at a great price. You can also get fresh hand-cut meats, great produce, all cost plus 10 at the register. Again, that's Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Well, our top story today is a perhaps one of the, and not necessarily a blunder in the handling of the actual situation, but perhaps a blundering of the public relations aspect, if nothing else. It's certainly a head scratcher. As Stephen Adams, Grizzly's big man, will undergo or has undergone. No, has did he, he do it today? Uh, I think the article I'm looking at on NBA.com says, says will undergo. Okay, I'm, I apologize then. I thought that he was or had already had knee surgery. Nonetheless, he will have knee surgery, will Steven Adams, and he will miss the entirety of the 2023-24 NBA season. And anybody who watched the Grizzlies post Steven Adams exit last year knows what to expect, and it's not good. And it's not good. It is not good at all. Yeah. So Stephen Adams sprained the posterior cruciate ligament in his right knee last January, again, according to this article on NBA.com. That injury forced him to miss the remainder of the 2022-23 schedule and the playoffs. And the thought was that non-operative rehab would resolve the knee instability. That was not the case. So I ask you, why sit out the final 40 games of your team's regular season, the entire off season, 
and not have surgery that you probably could have been back from by now. And and I say you, I don't know whose decision this was. I don't know if this was Stephen Adams's decision to not have the surgery. I don't know if it was the Memphis Grizzlies decision for him to not have the surgery, but the decision, and, and I know hindsight is 50-50. Yes, but, it is. you know, um, why? I think it's different if it's something you can play with. He couldn't. He missed the final 40 games of the regular season. Yeah, it, it's, it's not, not like going, it's a shoulder injury to a linebacker that if you can play with the pain, then. Then you play with it and you go ahead and, and then you get it taken care of after the sure. season. But, but right. he wasn't playing. Yeah, he wasn't playing. It doesn't. It didn't make any sense. And I mean, I've, we've got some. ATCs that could probably give us a little more insight into this. Some some ortho surgeries that uh, surgeons that could probably give us a little bit more insight into this. Maybe there was a sound medical reason for pursuing the non-operative rehab road on this, but this does this doesn't look good for the Grizzlies at all. No, it, it it absolutely doesn't because they are in a situation where they are at max, the max number of guaranteed contracts that you can have on the team. I think it's fifteen, maybe thirteen. I'm not entirely sure, but whatever it is, they they can't do anything about it. It's not like you can go get somebody. Yeah. So you got to dance with the ones that you got. At this you, point. You're you're gonna have to go to someone who probably, you know isn't prepared to play at the NBA level because you don't, I mean, the, the next biggest guys that they've got Zaire Williams, maybe, I mean, Xavier Tillman is, is, you know, he's, he's more forward than there Gar, are not a whole lot of Steven Adams is in the NBA, let alone on the Memphis Grizzlies roster. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know who I don't know who fills that role. Nobody. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. So, man, if I don't know who I feel worse for, Stephen Adams or Marcus Smart. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I mean, because <laughs> they went and got Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart coming in here thinking, okay, I, I'm leaving Boston, but that's cool. I'm coming into a team that I'm going to get a lot of PT for, and we're going to go deep in the postseason. And, 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 and the you know back-to-back two-seed in the playoffs. Oops. Yeah, about that. Uh, the, we're about to find out a lot about uh, Taylor Jenkins. We're about to find out because here's the thing. If Steven Adams has the surgery postseason, if he has the surgery last season, then you've got all this time to to decide, you know, how are we going to deal with life without Steven Adams for however long we're without it? Instead, you've gone the entire offseason expecting Steven Adams to play. Planning around him. And now, two days before the season, you've got to completely blow it up. 
blow up your your offense and philosophy and, and your defense and try and figure out how you're going to compete in a Western conference that is absolutely loaded. Uh, and you knew you weren't going to have Ja for the first 25. Which is why you have Derrick Rose, Marcus Smart, et cetera. I mean, those are guys who play point guard and can do it at, at a high level. Okay, that's fine. But part of playing point guard on that team was to be able to throw it inside to Stephen Adams. That look, option has gone away. Look, here, here's what's going to have to happen. You, you know, Jaron Jackson's going to have to bow up and, and, and be a little more tough inside than he's had to be in the past. I think that's easier said than done. No, I, look, I'm not saying he's – I'm saying that in order for them to be successful, that's what's got to happen. Whether, I mean, I'm not saying that he can or can't do it. I'm just saying that if they're going to, if, if the Memphis Grizzlies are going to compete in 2023 24, Jaron Jackson Jr. has to be the key. He's going to be the key. Because I don't know anybody else who can be anywhere near the physical presence that, that Adams and, gives you. And I just don't know that Triple J is capable, physically capable of being that. That's not his game. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, but somebody's got to I wasn't do it. that familiar with your game, but I, I don't know. That's not the. There's nobody else that that gives you the physical presence that he gives you at six eleven two forty two versus Adam six eleven two sixty five. Because your only other 6'11 guy is Santi Aldama at 6'11, 224 out of Loyola. Well, I mean. And I don't think they play a lot of physical basketball at Loyola in the CAA or whatever conference they're in. With Sister Jane? Probably. And I think Stephen Adams is 265 is a little conservative, too. It probably way. is. Yeah. And and it's not just his physical stature. I mean, it's his approach. Stephen Adams is a five. He's a he's a five and he's and, and he's kind of he's kind of an enforcer. Mm -hmm. There's nobody else that's an enforcer on this team. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a Jeez. guy who was up. When did Kenneth Kenneth Lofton Jr. is six eight two seventy five? That can't be right. Okay. He's not that big, is he? Holy cow. Okay. He's still not a five though. No, no, but I, I just was I just was scrolling down and saw the weight and thought that can't be right. That's a typo. But okay. <laughs> anyway, I mean to your point, Jaron Jackson isn't that low block dominant enforcer, that guy that's going to get down there and get somebody on his hip and throw his hand up and scream for the ball. I mean, that's not his game. No. And this is, this is going to be a disaster. But, like I said, let's just play the hustle tank and see what happens in the lottery. <laughs> At this point, well, 
Who's out there though? Nobody. Yeah. So I don't know I don't how attractive know. that is either, but it's it's man, it's gonna be an interesting season in the Bluff City. And I'll tell you what. And fans are not happy. Uh, that's the thing. I don't know how well Memphis supports whatever this becomes. Yeah. It's going it, 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 it's it's yeah. It's it's gonna be interesting to watch mm -hmm. because I don't see it either. Get in, sit down, shut, shut up, up, and hang on. Hang it's on. It's gonna get bumpy. Certainly going to for for them. I, I guess. Hey, Donovan Klingon, by the way. Who what? Donovan Klingon from UConn, seven two two eighty. Guess you could potentially go get him. If uh, if you tanked and needed to can you play? Because I've never heard of him. He's the number five overall prospect in the 2024 NBA Big Draft Board. Well, so okay. hey, that's all I got. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I got. That's all I can help you with. But I mean, Stephen Adams will be back, be back next to, year. Yeah, so. but hell, he's thirty. He's been in the league for ten. How much longer can he, that hold? How long does the knee hold up? Even after surgery, there's so many questions. Mm. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Ben McKee joins us as we will revisit <laughs> Saturday's tough loss. Down like it or not. <laughs> yeah, we said we'd talk about it. We're going to talk about it right here on Main Street Sports Day. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bond and Joint. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. 
Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated cost plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao. He's Maurice Patton, and we are excited to be here, despite not being excited to talk about the next subject. Yeah, but, you know, in the interest of what we do, yeah, it's, we need to talk about the next subject. and Plenty so, to talk about. Oh, without question, but at least we got some help, though, right? We will have some help, and I'm okay with that. Thank yeah. goodness, too. So, yeah, um, Ben McKee. From 24-7 Sports, joining us here on Main Street Sports today to talk a little bit about the second half collapse in Tuscaloosa of the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, ben, I'd much rather talk to you, Ben, about the baseball doubleheader that you saw in Greenville yesterday, to be honest, and I'm going to slip in a question at some point on that, but to start, how do you get up 20-7 to at Alabama and not score in the second half. I mean, I, you knew Alabama was going to come back, but you you got to do something, don't you? You do, especially in hindsight. You, you would have liked to, and, and I'd much rather talk uh, Tennessee baseball uh, as well after Saturday's debacle. That, that was not a fun second half of, of football to watch, especially if you're a a Tennessee fan. I, I thought the defense kind of set the tone for the entire half. I, I know you're asking me about why not, or how, how do you not score a point in the second half? But I, I thought the defense set the tone for that and and, and for things to come uh, with how lazy, quite frankly, they looked on, on those first two plays uh, of the second half. Uh, Alabama gashes them for a big run play on the first play of the second half, and and then yes, there should have been a holding call. Uh, on the right tackle, I guess it was. Uh, he had Tyler Barron in a chokehold, and, and that absolutely should have been called. But uh, you had two members of your secondary that, in my opinion, were, were just kind of lackadaisical in, in their coverage and allowed the Alabama receiver uh, to run right past them. Uh, and then you had the weird penalty on the kickoff uh, to where apparently somebody on Tennessee's front line of, of the kick return team uh, raised his hand above his shoulder pads and, and was pointing to the football. And, and according to Josh Heupel, as of early Monday afternoon, uh, if, if you raise your hand or anything above your, your shoulder, it's considered by it's considered a fair catch by anybody on, on the kickoff return unit. And, and Tennessee was flagged for that. A weird call. Uh, a very unfortunate call for Tennessee because when when the call is made, where the ball is caught is where the offense will start. If somebody other than the kick returner calls for a fair catch, and, and since the ball was uh, caught on the four-yard line at the time that the supposed uh, 
fair catch call was being made, Tennessee had to start on the four-yard line. And I guess my question there, though, Ben, is why are you returning that kick anyway? Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that is a, a great question. Uh, and uh, that was Cameron Selden, a, a freshman who is their second kickoff returner. Uh, obviously, D. Williams is the return specialist for Tennessee, and uh, Alabama was doing a great job of, of kicking away from him, and it ended up in the hands of Cam Selden. Uh, and that, that's a great question. Only Cam Selden can answer that one, why he decided to, to run that one uh, back or, or try to run it back. But uh, at that point, it had already been blown dead because of the supposed fair catch call that, that happened mm -hmm. towards the top of the play. Uh, and that just that, that put the offense in a really bad spot. So by, by the time the offense is even touching the football, the, the defense has been lazy to start the second half. And you had the weird, weird call on, on the kickoff as, as well. Uh, there were some some penalties on offense that set them back. Uh, right tackle Gerald Mincy, he left the game due to injury. Uh, so there, there were some protection issues after that. You had some receivers drop some passes. Joe Milton missed some receivers that were open as well. Uh, Josh Heupel made some interesting decisions, to say the least, uh, put his team in, in a couple of bad spots, in, in my opinion, by trying to go for it on a couple of fourth downs. Uh, so, so a lot spiraled out of control, and, and I think it started with, with them taking their foot off the gas coming out of the locker room. Yeah, that, that defensive sequence there and then the, the special teams play there. And that, you know, felt like it got the Alabama crowd back into the ballgame, felt like it got the Alabama team back into the ballgame. And like you said, it just kind of spiraled from there. I, I think the offense was fighting uphill from that point, and Alabama had all the momentum, and once they got it, they weren't giving it back. No, and, and they did not. And that, that stadium was quiet at halftime. In fact, that stadium was mad at halftime because Tennessee was up 20-7, to 7, and for whatever reason, Alabama allows the opposing band to perform on the field at halftime. So Alabama fans were already mad about being down by 13 points. And it felt like Tennessee was going to win that football game. And uh, here comes the pride of the Southland playing Rocky Top on their home field. And they, <laughs> they, they were not too pleased about that. So uh, Tennessee had all the momentum. I think it's it's a game that they're going to look back on in hindsight and just really kick themselves for a very, very long time even extending past this season, that you had Alabama right where you wanted them. And, yes, you needed to convert in the red zone. Uh, it should have been more than just 20 to 7. You should have had a, a larger lead than, than just the 13 points. But you were still bullying them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Tennessee's defense was doing whatever it wanted to up front, uh, slowing down the run game, pressuring uh, Jalen Milrow forcing a turnover on on the sack by James Pierce Jr. You had Alabama right where you wanted them, and and to steal a term from from a couple of the different players, they they took their foot off their neck, and Alabama gained momentum with how Tennessee started the the second half in lazy fashion, and and didn't look back while uh, Tennessee just just struggled to to regroup from that early adversity there in the second half. Ben, when you you know. When you watch this game or when I watch this game, it was it seemed to me very, very simply that Tennessee's both offensively and defensively got conservative both on play calling and lazy or lackadaisical, more than lazy, 
uh, on the field. That's, that's all coaching. So that's got to change. And, and I don't know, I didn't get to hear all of Josh Heupel's press conference, but has that been a point of, of, you know, a question that has been raised? Is that something that he's taken responsibility for? Uh, yes, maybe not in those exact words, but he, he was asked uh, about uh, the decisions to, to go for it on, on fourth down, uh, both of which were in Alabama's territory, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. Uh, particularly, one was at midfield and one was at about the 30. Yes, uh, and you, you really put your defense in, in bad spots with those decisions. And Tennessee was still leading at the time of both, so I think you got to kind of play the field possession game and uh, – not, well, the first one worked out. We ended up getting a pick in the end zone, but still. Yes, that one did end up working <laughs> out. Uh, that that one did not come to, back to bite him in the butt, but the it other one not. certainly did. I mean, yeah, uh, absolutely it did. Both of them injected life into Alabama, and you stole some of it back by that interception, like you mentioned. But the second one just kind of felt like the nail in the coffin, quite frankly, even if it technically wasn't over uh, at that point. So he was asked about that, and, and he's constantly been asked since the Florida debacle why this team struggles on the road, uh, just generally speaking in, in terms of simply playing football and, and more specifically about the pre-snap penalties and, and communication. He, he's been asked that all all season long and was today, what was after the game on Saturday. And, and he's just kind of had a generic answer. And I, I don't blame him for this, but he, he just says it, it starts with, with him and the rest of the coaches and that they've got to be better and, and they just simply need to execute. Uh, that, that's kind of all he said and, and he's been leaving it at that, which is his right to do so. And uh, I do think there are other coaches in this league. You, you look at the one in Columbia, South Carolina, they lose a football game and, and everybody gets thrown under the bus except for, for the head coach and the coaching staff, it, it seems like. Josh Heupel does mention himself first uh, and foremost every single time. Uh, so I, I do think he is taking responsibility. Some of it is just simply execution. Like at some point, players have to go make plays. Um, but I, I do think that Josh Heupel, specifically with going forward on those fourth downs, put himself or put his team, put his players in, in a bad situation on Saturday. Okay, so long term looking out to this season, let's say Tennessee goes nine and three with a loss to Georgia. They get a road win at ranked Missouri, get a win this weekend on the road at Kentucky, which is not something that's just like something they did two years ago in Josh Heupel's first year that I don't think anybody expected them to do. This team is certainly expected to compete and should, and feels like they should win those games. Let's say they don't beat Georgia at home. They go nine and three. Is, is there cause for concern when those three losses are your three biggest rivals? Yes, I, I absolutely think there's reason for concern. I, I think there's reason for concern right now, even without looking ahead, uh, just because it, it's the – it's the same issues that, that are plaguing them, that they are totally different football teams when they're at home and, and when they're on the road. They, they are lights out inside of Neyland Stadium, which you would expect. That's a great atmosphere, great home field advantage. It seems like it's becoming harder and harder to win on the road in college football and especially here in the SEC. Uh, but they go on the road. And, and yes, like I just said, it's getting harder and harder to win on the road, but it, it's it's things that you think that shouldn't be happening that continue to happen, uh, like the pre-snap penalties, like the decision-making. It, it's the same mistakes kind of over and over again on the road. And to, 
to put it simply, like they don't handle adversity well when they're on the road. They, they haven't since uh, the, the Georgia game last season. Uh, they're they're one in four in the five road games since they were ranked number one in the college football playoff last year. Uh, and that one win is against Vanderbilt to, to end the season last year. All four losses have been by double digits. They've allowed a ton of points, uh, allowed a ton of yards, and they've committed a ton of penalties. So I think there's already reason for concern. It's something that has to get cleaned up if if Josh Heupel wants to get over the hump and, and go win a championship. He's already completely elevated Tennessee's stature uh, in the sport. That uh, They are the tier below the tier, in my opinion. He's done a lot of great work, uh, brought Tennessee out of the dumps. I mean, t- Tennessee was embarrassing. For, for a decade, that they were the laughing stock of the SEC for, for a little over a, a decade. And, and they are no longer that, which is a, a heck of an accomplishment, especially when you consider what he took over from Jeremy Pruitt. But that that's not the, the expectations and the standard at Tennessee to, to just win nine or 10 games and, and go win the Orange Bowl. The, the standard and the expectation is to go win championships. And if Tennessee wants to get into that next tier with Georgia, with Alabama, and go win a championship, they've got to figure out these these road struggles. So that Georgia game, it's at home. Um, but I think with how Tennessee's performed on the road, I think you got to be a little nervous about them going to Kentucky and, and Missouri because they just have not handled those environments well, really throughout Josh Heupel's tenure. You, you had the game at LSU last year. You, you had the easy win at Vanderbilt. But he did win at both of those places two years ago. He he did. He absolutely did. That that Kentucky win on the road two years ago is is probably his his most impressive road win. But but even going back to that first year, they they, they kind of choked a little bit in in the fourth quarter in the mm-hmm. swamp. He, he had a drop pass on a fourth down that that led to Florida winning by double digits. Uh, and then in Tuscaloosa in 2021, you, that game was close. I believe it was a one score game going into the fourth quarter, and you had some miscommunications that led to an interception, if I remember correctly, and. That they just have not really handled road environments well outside of a couple of performances. So no, I, uh, I agree. There's a lot of concern there to me. Ben McKee with Go Vols 24/7 joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. And Ben, you know, having said all of that, this is year three under Josh Heifel, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. I mean, fair to say. They're ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I think uh, after year two, that they were certainly ahead of schedule. There, there's no bones about that with how they ended last season with a, a win over Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Uh, now, maybe you, you've regressed a, a little bit um, because at best right now, I guess 10 and 2 is technically possible. Uh, but that would take beating Georgia, and it doesn't really feel like Tennessee is going to beat Georgia here on, on October 23rd. So it, it kind of feels like maybe 9-3 and three is your best bet uh, and getting that 10th win in a bowl game, which that, that would be really, really good. Uh, and they are ahead of where they should be when you go back and, and look what they took over uh, from the disaster that was Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, they, they the roster was in disarray. You, you had guys transferring out left and right. Uh, and that was on top of lacking talent uh, on both sides of the football. You, you, you've had to rely on quite a bit of transfers the, these three seasons uh, while you build up the depth of, of your roster. Uh, so, so they are ahead of schedule, but you're still losing some of these games because you're shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, and, and that's why, where that concern 
uh, comes from, even if it, it feels like they've taken a small step back uh, so far this season because you felt like you had golden opportunities uh, in the swamp. Florida's not what Florida typically is. You're probably a better football team than, than Florida, but you did not show it at all on that day, on that afternoon in, in the swamp. So you wasted an opportunity to, to take advantage of a Florida team that is kind of down right now. And then, like we talked about at halftime of the Alabama game, Alabama was down. You had them right where you wanted, and you didn't take advantage of that. So uh, Tennessee still is on the right track. There's no doubt about that. No need to put Josh Heupel in the hot seat or, or anything along along those lines. But they've got to continue to, to build. They absolutely have to continue to build if, if they want to get to where they want to get. And that's uh, winning championships, which is the expectation at a place like Tennessee. So for those folks who say – you know, this season's kind of a, a wash. Why not get Nico some experience, see what you've got, make sure that you're in good position to go ahead. To that, I say the counter argument is why burn a red shirt? When you can have him for four years, why burn him on a year that's a wash? What do you feel like is the best approach or the, at least the approach that maybe Tennessee is taking? Well, I personally don't think the the red shirt really matters with Nico specifically because yeah, he's but, not going to be here four years anyway. <laughs> yes, if if things pan out and things yeah. go according to plan, he he's only here for three years, right? I mean, he, so why he was, not play him now? That that's a, a fair question. Uh, I I think the reason you don't is because th this team does still have a chance to go ten and two, nine and three, maybe win a tenth in a bowl game. Uh, and Joe Milton has certainly had an up and down season. There's no doubt about that. I, I, I just don't know that. Nico, what's that? I thought he was up Saturday. Thought he had he a was. pretty good game. He, he was. He he was awesome in the first half, and I don't think he was the issue in the second half. He he did miss a couple of open guys, and, and I would have liked to see him push the the ball down the field more when when they were trailing. Uh, but he was not the issue there in, in the second half in Tuscaloosa. I thought he played well. Absolutely. Uh, I just think it's a, it's a little too early. I think if you lose to to Kentucky on Saturday and the offense continues to to struggle in the red zone and and Joe maybe plays the way he did uh, against A and M or a little bit against Carolina, throwing in the double coverage, missing open guys, then then maybe you consider it going into November, uh, especially since you have UConn to to start the month. I just think that conversation is just a smidge premature, uh, just because there is still plenty to play for, even if it may not be a, a national championship or a college football uh, playoff berth. You can still go out and win double-digit games as of right now, and that would be an accomplishment. That that would be a, a successful season, even if you, you maybe squandered an opportunity to go to go win a championship. You, you never apologize for winning double-digit football games, and and that is still on the table. So. I think that's one reason why you don't throw Nico in there. And the other reason is I don't know that Nico is exactly ready. Not not saying that he's not, but I also don't think he's ready to go in and be Trevor Lawrence like Trevor Lawrence was at Clemson when he played as a true freshman or uh, Tua benching Jalen Hurts. I, I don't think Nico's in that type of spot. Uh, you hear nothing but good things about him. He, he's handling his business behind the scenes. He's progressing. But you don't hear that uh, he could go in right now and – play like those other freshmen that I mentioned uh, have played in the past. So I, I just think it's a, a little premature. And, and you do want to time that right because, A, how does the team handle the quarterback change? How does Joe handle a quarterback change? And you don't want to prematurely throw Nico in there when he's not ready and that stunt his development.
Josh Heupel's a former quarterback. I mean, you, you kind of trust him with that decision. And if Nico was the best option, he'd already be in there, would he not? I, I think so. I mean, Josh Heupel is a, a good football coach. He, he's had a couple of uh, tough Saturdays this fall uh, at Florida and, and this past weekend at Alabama. But he's a really good football coach. He, he really is. He's a great offensive mind. Uh, he's a good quarterback developer. I think if Nico Iamaliava gave Tennessee the best chance to win, I, I think he'd be Tennessee's starting quarterback right now. <laughs> why would why would Josh Heibel not put his team in, in the best position to go win a football game? Uh, and right now he – Well, he's to that I would good. say he still started Joe Milton over Hendon Hooker two years ago. And some will tell you that it's because he's very – very stubborn when it comes to Joe Milton due to his recruiting him in college at UCF out of high school. And I'm telling you that those people aren't necessarily wrong. Yeah. And, and I would also say though, that Joe is, is a very, very good practice player uh, as well. And, and I, I think very so. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a good point, but you also had JT Shroud and, and Keller Christ and Brian Maurer and, and, other guys who haven't Harrison Bailey, who haven't done anything in their college career, pushing Jared Garantano. I mean, J JG was the best out of the bunch of quarterbacks that. Yeah, that there's no had. question. <laughs> and that's saying something. <laughs> it absolutely is. And I, I think Tennessee's coaches at the time would have liked to play somebody else, but they didn't have anybody. <laughs> they would have loved to. Uh, anybody so with this guy. Right. So I, I Joe. And Joe's not Jerry Garantano. Let, let, no, he's not. No, I, I know you're not saying that. You're yeah. just using that practice example. I, I get that. Uh, but Joe Joe is a good practice player. His teammates love him. Uh, and I think the thing with starting Joe over Hendon, you have to remember that Hendon, what does Hendon do best? He, he kind of scrambles. He's innovative. He, he avoids pressure. He, he runs. I mean, it's the same thing with Josh Dobbs. It, it was why the Butch Jones staff was reluctant to throw Dobbs in there. That's the exact comment that we have right here from one of our, our viewers, old geezer, reminds me of Dobbs. One thousand percent. Because <laughs> you, what what Dobbs and Hendon do best, you can't see that in practice because they have non-contact jerseys on. They're, they're not getting hit. They're, they're mm -hmm. not running like they do in, in the games. And, and that's not to say Dobbs and Hendon aren't good passers because they are. I mean, look at what sure. Dobbs is doing this year as a starting quarterback and uh, for the Cardinals. And, and look what Hendon did last year throwing the football. But Joe Joe did show more in fall camp that August when he was battling it out with Hendon. The staff also at the time wanted Hendon. Hendon wasn't really letting it go, wasn't cutting it loose. He was very timid, kind of dink and dunk. And in this offense, they want somebody that's going to force the football down the field. And we know Joe Milton loves to throw the football down the field. So you, you have Joe Milton in practice kind of cutting it loose and throwing the football every which way possible. And, and Hendon's kind of being timid and dinking and dunking, and you can't see his running ability. And that's why Joe wins that that quarterback battle. Uh, so I, I also don't think Nico is is pushing Joe at the, the moment the way that Hendon was pushing Joe at that time as well. And again, that's not to say that Nico's going to be a bust or, or you need to hit the sure. button. He's a true freshman, right? It, it, it's uncommon to see what Trevor Lawrence or Jalen Hurts or, or Tua, what, what those guys did. That That is very uncommon uh, to, to have guys come in and play the quarterback position in that way. And uh, all signs are still positive that, that Nico's going to be really, really good for Tennessee at some point. It's just not this October 28th uh, against Kentucky. Uh, he, he's not ready to, to be that that quarterback just yet. 
But if but if Kentucky was to were to beat Tennessee this weekend, what do you have to lose? That's true. I would like and to you see get, how, and you have and you have UConn to kind of you know baptize them a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I, I would say that I would like to see how the game transpires. Maybe Joe Milton plays the game of his life, and the defense can't stop anybody. Uh, but if I, I was very critical of Joe coming out of the, the Texas A&M game. I, I thought he played very poorly. Uh, the, the interception was was very, very bad. I, I thought he lacked awareness in, in a couple of different situations. Uh, and and he, was, he was missing guys wide open running down the football field. I, I, I did not expect him to go down there and, and play Alabama the way that he did, particularly in the first half. I, I did not see that coming. He was lights out. He, he was awesome in that first half against Alabama. And I did not see that coming. If he reverts back to kind of what he did against A&M, against Kentucky, where, where he's missing open guys and forcing it into double and triple coverage. And, and turning down well, opportunities to run for extra yardage. Yep. If, if he's doing that again, then absolutely. Let, let, let's talk about Nico. But if he's going to play like he did in the first half uh, against Alabama, that, that gives Tennessee the best chance to, to win right now. And here's the other thing. Protection has been an issue for Tennessee here at, at, at different points. Uh, Gerald Mincy gets hurt and the offensive line takes a step back in the second half against Alabama, do you want to throw Nico into that situation as mm. well to where that could potentially stun his growth? And Tennessee's receivers have played very poorly this season. That That's the biggest group on offense that's, that has taken a step back. Very they, little they separation. None. And nothing after the catch, <laughs> no yak yards, which you, you saw with Tillman and, and Hyatt and Bayless Jones and Javante Payton. You're not, you're not getting much from your receivers. Ramel Keaton has regressed a lot. I do think you can count on Squirrel White. I think Squirrel White is having a good year. But outside of Squirrel White, who can you count on that receiver right now? Well, it's losing a, Brew McCoy was Brew McCoy horrible. Was, that was yes, that, a that lot really worse than I expected it to be at that moment. Mm -hmm. Yes, ab absolutely. That, that and was, the tight ends haven't really There's picked not it been up. a Princeton like, Bant kind of guy. Well, I mean, the guy that transferred in here was so much hype, whose name I can't remember. McCollin Castles? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. You know, Jacob Warren has been inconsistent. I mean, and that, those were opportunities yeah, to, to, you know, step in and take over for the receiver group that has regressed. Yeah. Castles has a very similar game to Princeton Fant in the sense that he is a Swiss Army knife. He, he can do a lot of different things, and the staff really likes him. You saw him make the touchdown catch on Saturday against Alabama. I think the difference between Princeton Fant last year and, and McCollin Castles this year is that Castles hasn't been in the offense as long as Princeton Fant was leading up to last year. I, I think if Castles could could have two or three years under his belt, I think he would have a, a Princeton Fant type of impact. It's just unfortunately for him, he's only going to get uh, one year at, at Tennessee. There you go. That's that's an interesting thought process. I think, I think, and I had thought about that yesterday, how the tight ends just hadn't seemed to be nearly as effective. And, and when you have a quarterback who's struggling, having a good pass catch, catching tight end Security can completely blanket. change the game. Absolutely. It absolutely can. So. Yeah. Ben McKee of Go Balls 24-7 joining us here on Main Street Sports today. Ben, before we get you out of here, real quick, again, you were at the baseball doubleheader yeah. against Virginia Tech at Greenville, and we can't sit here in Columbia, Tennessee, and not ask you, how did KT look? KT struggled yesterday. You, you, you're asking me on, on the wrong day. Ah. Tavares did struggle yesterday. He went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Oh. 
Uh, I, I well, if he got one more at bat, he would have hit a grand slam. That 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 is correct. <laughs> like a Dallas Garcia, right? <laughs> no, but he he's had a good fall. Uh, the, the last week or so, he he has struggled a little bit. Uh, he, he's he's kind of back to to swinging at everything as hard as he can. Uh, here, here the last couple of the the exhibition yesterday against Virginia Tech, and I've been out at the the inter squad scrimmages as as well. Uh, the last week or so, he's kind of been swinging as hard as he can at, at every pitch thrown at him. Uh, but to start fall practice back at the end of September, he was by far their best player, and that's because he wasn't chasing everything. He was seeing the ball really well, and he, he was smashing every pitch that was thrown at him. Uh, and he's looked really good in the field as well all throughout the fall. Uh, has a cannon for an arm, has made several great throws, has made several great uh, catches. And to me, KT seems like a very, from the outside looking in, seems like a very quiet young man. But he, I've heard him speak up a lot this fall while in the field, just communicating with his teammates, encouraging them, reminding them of how many outs and, and where to go with the ball and, and simple things like that. And I know that does sound simplistic, but uh, something that he wasn't doing last year when he was a younger player. And, and now that it's his third year of, of the program in the program, it seems like he's really taking on a, a leadership role. So. Uh, KT did not have a great day yesterday, but that's baseball for you. And mm -hmm. uh, I think KT's in for a, a great season, and he's going to be one of the more electrifying players to watch in the SEC. It's good to hear. Love it. Love it. Ben McKee, 24, go balls 24-7 joining us here. Ben, appreciate you taking some time with us this Monday. Absolutely. appreciate you having me on and always enjoy being with y'all. Hope y'all have a great week. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we've got – Terry's mm. Titan report. We took the we took a little long there there, so we'll have to take a full break here, Justin. But Terry's Titan report, and it should and be it's going to be a good one. Yeah, right you don't want to miss this. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. 
and it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. I'm sure that uh, this is going to be a great segment and Terry McCormick standing by to give us a report as some breaking news just moments ago. Terry, how are you? Well, I'm uh, quite buried in the news right now. No, what what's going on? Is there something special that we need to be talking about here? Well, you know, it's your Daily Titans report, and it's brought to you by Zen Sports, which is changing the bonus game for the better. And the t- the Tennessee Titans made a change, but I'm not sure this one's for the better. They they have traded Kevin Byer to the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know. If you're a longtime Titans fan uh, and you you know you kept up with the team for any amount of time, you know that in a lot of ways Kevin Byard was one of the faces of this franchise and a guy that uh, put his heart and soul into this organization for seven plus years, never missed a game, and uh, you know even finally after initially uh, declining, he agreed to a reworked contract that cut his salary in order for them to bring DeAndre Hopkins aboard. But uh, as of about 20, 30 minutes ago, he is a Philadelphia Eagle. Man, and like you said, Terry, that one, it, it, it just kind of hurts a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you know, it's a business and teams make trades all the time and try to do what they feel like is in the best interest of the organization. But, uh, you know, fans don't often see it that way. And certainly, uh, you know, the last time the Titans made a big trade, they they sure did wind up on the short end of it, uh, as we saw with A.J. Brown. And now Bayard's going to be reunited with him and with Julio Jones, who was just signed the other day by Philly. Uh, All three of them are going to be in Philadelphia with a chance to – make a deep postseason run probably you also got a couple of blue raiders in philadelphia now as uh reed blankenship will get to kind of show kevin byer the ropes up there in the defensive secondary yeah that's interesting you know i mean you and i are middle alums so it's always good when a blue raider uh, makes an impact but uh I'll go ahead and say this. Very few MTSU football players have made more of an impact in the NFL than Kevin Byard has in in the time that he has been here with the Tennessee Titans. The one thing that I would say about it is, you know, one, you know, from a purely selfish point of view, we're losing one of the best media guys that uh, has come around here in a long time. Byard was always available, always accessible, uh, always willing to talk and gave thoughtful answers good in good times and bad but then from just the overall standpoint you know this was a guy who said over and over again that he would like to be a lifetime titan he would want to play his whole career with the tennessee titans and 
try to win a championship here if that was possible. And as of today, that's no longer the case. So it's interesting here, you know, I think this is the first domino. I think it signals that the rebuild is on, guys. Yeah. So, Terry, what should we as Titans followers take from this? Because my thought is don't stop here. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably, uh, you know, the thought of a lot of people now. Now that you've uh, pulled the first brick out from the building, you might as well keep going. Yep. And, it, you know, I mean, there are, you know, trading veteran players, as I told you guys last week, does not exactly yield a high return on investment in terms of what you can often get back. Uh, there was a report that the Titans are getting back two draft picks, a fifth and a sixth for next year and safety Terrell Edmonds, which doesn't seem like, you know, a great haul right now. But, you know, they do have some other tradable commodities. If they really want to blow it up and, and, you know, burn it to the ground, so to speak, you know, there's Derrick Henry, there's Ryan Tannehill, there's DeAndre Hopkins. You know, there are any number of veterans on this team, Danico Autry, that you could move on from if you really want to have the fire sale right now. It's going to be interesting to see if that's the route they go because, you know, to me, if you're going down this path, then, you know, why go halfway in? You know, get what you can get. You know, let everybody know that you're willing to go, you know, win three to four games this year. Uh, and, and it's probably time to start Will Levis at quarterback and see what you got. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how tradable Ryan Tannehill is until people he's know not. if he's healthy or not. But, I mean, well, besides that's that. That's very true. Yeah. That's I, a very – that is very true. You, you know, you wouldn't know what you have, and he probably, you know, chances are he probably won't be healthy until after the trade deadline. So right. there's that. But you know, it, it's an interesting, interesting situation here that uh, hey. you know, Bayard is the first domino to fall in this process. Do you know that the six-round pick that we got is the pick we traded, traded with AJ? AJ Brown? That's not the piece of that wow. trade I wanted to get back. <laughs> uh, well, the piece of the story you wanted to get back, you're not getting back. He's just caught 120, had 125 receiving yards in each of his last what? Four five. games, five games. NFL record five. So, yeah, tied an NFL record. You know, I mean, I don't know, but if I'm the Titans, I'm a little leery of dealing with Howie Roseman that the way he fleeced you the last time. Listen, and I just, I just said this off air, just tweeted it, that the Eagles are the Diamondbacks to the Titans Braves, or I'm sorry, the, the Titans are the Diamondbacks to the Eagles Braves because they just keep getting more from us. I mean, this is a team that the Eagles didn't need. To, they had four potential fifth-round picks with compensatory picks, four. So what's giving us one? I mean, who cares, right? So it's – it's um. It's a tough one, man. I, I think that they should give us something else, but apparently we're not going to get that. So at this point, you want them to throw in Jalen Hurts? I, I, I mean, honestly, would, I, I would. would they? I would take the Rocky statue, the Liberty Bell. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, whatever. Banning Flyers games from all or Flyers, Flyers fans from all Predators games. I mean, anything. <laughs> nice. But uh, but yeah, this is this is this is interesting. I 
if you had to guess who would you know and and again pure speculation you had to get who who would you trade next who would be the next person on your list to get out of here um well oh to mo's point last week you know i i agree i think derrick henry has more value to the titans than he does to most of the other teams around the league and so i don't know that you would get very much in return not that you got a lot for Byron. Uh, but I would think that the guy, the two guys on the roster that are veterans that are, you know, looking maybe that you might look to move and you're not going to want to hear this. But one of them is DeAndre Hopkins and the other one's probably Danico Autry. Mm-hmm. See, I was thinking D hop too, but you know, especially I assume that, and I, I, I seriously don't remember is DeAndre on a one year deal. He's on a two-year deal. He is on okay. the contract for next year, but I'm not sure what all the ramifications are. I'd have to look it up. So I don't know if he's if there's a lot of dead money tied to him if he's cut next year. So DeAndre Hopkins or Traylon Burks, one of those two. Well, Traylon Burks can't Burks, see. One, I don't think Traylon Burks, one, has a lot of value right now. Mm-hmm. And it's two – I don't think the Titans are ready to give up on a first-round pick in year two uh, simply because he's been injured. I think uh, they need him back. They, you know, he's a lot like, uh, you know, some of these other young guys. You know, they need him to take a step forward and be one of the foundational pieces going forward, uh, so that they, you know, don't have to address every single position over the next year or two in terms of rebuilding. Terry McCormick, Titan Insider with the top of the hour Titans report. Terry, let's go back to this trade for just a second because I want to ask you, are the Titans doing Kevin Byard a solid by giving him an opportunity to play for a ring? Mm-hmm. Probably. I would think so. I mean, well, I mean, I is, you, do you feel like, is there any chance that that was the intent? It's possible. I mean, you know, I don't, claimed to have the knowledge of what went down in the room when Rand Carthen was talking to Howie Roseman and they were cobbling this deal together. But my guess might be that maybe maybe they went to Kevin Byard and asked him if he wanted to go to a contender. You know, I mean, that's not completely out of the question. Uh, Byard's been here. This is his eighth year. Uh, he's, you know, and not that the team owes him this, but in a sense, he's kind of earned the the right to say yes i'll do it or no i don't want to do it that sort of thing mm-hmm. would you agree you would think if if anybody had this, you would think it would be him and i'd like sure. to think that they showed him that respect of saying hey we've got an opportunity to make a move you know what do you think yeah i mean that may that may be what happened in this whole thing because uh, you know, I mean, I know that, you know, there was a report over the weekend that's saying that they had fielded some calls uh, about Byard, but, uh, you know, certainly, you know, the way he's talked in the past about wanting to be here mm-hmm. his entire career would lead you to think that, uh, you know, they wouldn't just do this out of the blue and say, boom, you're gone. Here's the, here's the thing that some folks are not, you know, to this point in the season, I know it's, it is what it is, but 
Elijah Molden is in a contract year. He's 24 years old. And whatever stock you want to put into pro football focus, you can put this into it. Elijah Molden has been nine positions higher on the PFF grades than Kevin Byard this year. So he has outplayed Kevin Byard. He's 24 years old, and he's in a contract year. But he also has never proven that he can stay healthy, and that's a big concern. Well, that's I understand that, but and that's got to be particularly a big concern with this franchise, where health over the last couple of seasons has been such a big deal. Sure, and then they trade away the one guy who had never missed a game. You were so tight, new. Yeah, that's that's kind of it. But I just I just thought that was interesting that you know. Perhaps the Titans said, well, if we're going to get rid of him now, at least we – on the roster currently, we have a guy who can step in into that role, and then you you get, you know, you get their safety back as well. So, I, I mean, you know, we'll see. We will see. I, it's obviously not, you know, a move to – we're not buyers. We're, we're certainly sellers here. And hopefully two, three years down the road we see it pay off. Yeah, would have been cool to see Byard in those older throwbacks Sunday, though. Oh, man, I, I bet that's the one thing he's upset about. Mm. I bet he's most upset about that right there. Uh, <laughs> Terry, tell us about Zen Sports. All right, gladly. Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee that is revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. With Zen Sports, your rewards are cash rewards. You bet with real money, and now you're rewarded with it, too. Earn a whopping 5% cash back welcome bonus for your first 15 days when you sign up with code MAINSTREET, M-A-I-N-S-T. Keep betting and keep earning every month after that with up to 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume. Best of all, you can earn cash commission on your referral bets with the Zen Sports Referral Rewards Program. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. 
and it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in to Main Street Sports State, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Take two. Yeah, take two. And, man, that was that was unfortunate to have to deal with that today. But since we're trading, folks, no. Trade everybody. Well, including the head coach. <laughs> I mean, Mike Vrabel was in Robert Kraft's booth this weekend, and Belichick we've been talking about maybe hanging it up. And all this talk about Belichick hanging it up, and then he goes out there and beats the Bills. That was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't care what you said. That, that, that's so Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, um, I thought we were done with nothing burgers after we got over that Philadelphia-Atlanta BS Mike Vrabel played, for those of you who may not be aware, for the New England Patriots. Won how many Super Bowls? I don't know. A bunch. Probably three few. or four. Pretty good few. Was inducted into their Hall of Fame this weekend. Did not leave the team on a game day weekend or anything like that to be in New England, to be in Robert Kraft's booth. I, I just don't understand how anybody with any sense can have an issue with it. Nobody said, no. I, well, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with it. I but, don't know but, who does. Um, but the question has been raised, Would I guess, which I don't even know why the question would be raised, but it has been. So I'm just saying... If 
if the New England Patriots wanted Mike Vrabel to be their head coach, I think he would be. I think he would listen, but I also think that there are so many examples of being the next person that have gone awry. That I mean, I, I just think that, I think Vrabel, I think he's smart enough to recognize that. Now, the flip side is, I think Vrabel might be wondering how much longer his shelf life is here in Tennessee. Does he have the stomach for this rebuild? Well, what's the difference in this rebuild and that rebuild? They got their quarterback. Do they? I mean, they think they do. Ah, I mean. Well, I mean, if you've got the quarterback, particularly in that lead, that definitely puts you ahead of the game. But, I mean, do they have their quarterback? Right now, semi-long term, in my opinion, you got a better defense. And here's the thing. <laughs> As of this moment, you might, you right, know, two hours I ago, said, you may not I, have been. I said as of right this second, you've got a defense who can keep you somewhat competitive, I think, even amongst a rebuild. Because the fact is they only need to rebuild the offense, and they only need to rebuild parts of the offense. Because I think Tajay Spears has proven that he can be a guy that you can lean on post Derrick Henry, whenever that may be, whether it be this year, next year, year after next, next week. Could <laughs> I, it may be. I don't know. You've got Traylon Burks, who, if he can stay healthy, can be positive, can, can, can be a guy. You've got DeAndre Hopkins next year still under contract. You've got you know, you've got Peter Skaronsky in that left tackle. You've got him. Go out and rebuild that offensive line and get you one more wide receiver or something. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that the rebuild is – I don't know that the, the Titans need to rebuild their entire roster. I think the defense is good enough that if you find – you know, you, you go get two or three pieces on offense in the next year's draft, you can have what did what did the the predators call it competitive a competitive rebuild it was a competitive rebuild i believe so and i mean i feel like that's rebuilding on the run so to speak. yeah i mean where yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna be the jaguars and get two number one overall picks you know and then five years from now go nine and eight win the division and extreme like we won 15 ball games we're we're gonna go six and 11 a couple of times get some top 10 draft picks and by the time that that you know by the time jeffrey simmons contract rolls around and some of these other big contracts roll around you've be ready to go yeah you're ready you're done so I don't know. Anyway, 
I think I think the relationship that Mike Vrabel and Amy Adams Strunk have is pretty strong. I feel like it is as well. I, I think that and 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 I feel like Vrabel and Carthon are on the same page. Yeah. It's as opposed to Vrabel and the last guy. I mean, because we saw the clips from the draft room when the AJ Brown trade was announced. And if well, you couldn't see the disgust in Mike Vrabel's body language, then you're not paying attention. Well, I also saw him wave to the cameras after they took Josh Weil and 30 picks later, Los Angeles Rams superstar Puka Nakua was taken. <laughs> and and we didn't take a wide receiver until round seven. Mm-hmm. So I, whether they're on the same page or not, I, I mean, I guess is, is a good thing if they are, but also, you know, <laughs> let's let's also try to be, you know, Proactive in getting positions of need. <laughs> but yes, I think the relationship is what matters. Not- Let, let's talk about Puka Nakua. Just a second, because that's about all I got. Who knew who he was? Did you know who he was? No. Okay. No. no. I mean, no now, now, I mean, those people are paid to know who he is. I mean, I get that, but well, I'm, I'm not going to hold it over anybody's head that they didn't draft Puka Nakua. Well... <laughs> My point is they didn't draft any wide receiver. Yeah, and they, took, think, they took Chiga Conquo 2.0 when we already maybe, had Chiga Conquo. Um, 1.5 maybe. I don't know about 2.0. Have you seen? Dude, Chig has regressed horribly. Horribly. Is that his fault? While is outperforming it. I think it's Wiley for one thing. Whatever. But... <laughs> um. I'm just saying, you already had that guy. We didn't need that well, guy. Theoretically. And we, we needed somebody who could catch the football and run pass routes and, you know, get some separation well, amongst I mean, defenders and take the top off. Oh, no, we got Racy McMath. No big deal. We don't, we don't need that fast guy. We don't need Jalen Hyatt. All we need Jalen Hyatt. He, all he can do is run fast and catch footballs. God forbid we have mm, a guy who can do that. Run fast and catch footballs. Yeah. Why so would you want that? This is this is kind of I mean, you can have the same mindset as your GM and it not be a the net right positive. mindset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're both wrong. Yeah. But but at least you're wrong together, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't work for me as a fan, I'm just saying. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Uh speaking of the Eagles, I don't know. Did 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 you see the the list of Miami Dolphins versus Philadelphia and all the, the like how many Alabama players were on the two rosters? Oh, no. It was a bunch. Oh. <laughs> uh, matter of fact. I mean it makes sense. It, let's let's see here. Um, last night, Miami Tua. Jalen Waddell, Raquan Davis, Lester Cotton, and Deshaun Hand. Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, Julio Jones, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, Tyler Steen, Eli Ricks, and Josh Job. Well, apparently, 
because Philadelphia had seven Bama players and Miami only had five, they were the beneficiaries of the cheating refs and did not have a single penalty called against them the entire night. (laughs) Whatever works, right? And and, and this goes back to the Tennessee thing too. And and I, I think people need to understand this. I'm not whining because I agree that that calls are often missed on both teams. I, I completely agree that calls are often missed against both teams. What you have to also understand is that I can accept that unless one team got called for zero penalties. How do you you can miss some? You How can't do you miss, miss all. all. Well, and here's the thing. People that want to throw whining around are people that I don't listen to because they're not objective. It's not whining. I mean, it's, 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 it's stating fact. It's pretty clear. Because that defensive holding on Gabe Judy, yeah. I can't think of his, the second half of his last name, that was amazingly ticky-tack. I mean, even for Alabama officials, that was bad. As ticky-tack as that was, and then to miss blatantly obvious things. The choco that Ben McKee mentioned on um, on Tyler Barron. So, I, but, or, or last night, David Long getting decapitated as he runs up the middle, is about to tackle... Philadelphia's running back in the backfield for a loss literally gets clotheslined. <laughs> I did not see the game, nothing. but nothing. I we, mean, we're talking longest yard clothesline. It might as I promise you, he went full speed and his feet were above his head when he hit the ground. He didn't get knocked backwards, he got knocked over. So I mean, but over tea kettle, huh? It just doesn't make any sense. Like, and 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 this is an official's problem from top down and from bottom up. And this, I've had this conversation with high school coaches. Mm-hmm. We've got NFL officials who ought to be officiating Power Five football. We've got Power Five football officials who ought to be officiating OVC, because that's the level of official that they truly are. But instead, somebody's got to move up. And so you're getting some really good high school officials end up moving into, and, and here's the, the biggest issue is that they're not full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. So you also have to have the ability, the availability to be able to leave on a Friday right. and not get back till Sunday or whatever. And, and that sort of thing. You're getting some really good, some just fair high school officials who are calling collegiate football now. And just because they've been doing it for long enough, at this point, they kind of have to move up because they're the only ones with any experience, mm-hmm. which leaves high schools. There's no backfill. With, there's nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. And so we just have to accept it at this point. Now, how you miss every single potential call in a ball game, I'll never understand. And do I think it's a conspiracy? Do I think they did it on purpose? No, I don't. I just think that it's that's just the state of officiating. 
it is what it is. Even at the highest level. Mm -hmm. I have one other question in here, and is that is Kareem Jackson simply dirty? Five straight games, Kareem Jackson has been fined. He was ejected from yes. the most recent game he played in, and he has now been suspended for four games, according to rap sheet Ian Rappaport, 17 seconds ago. So timing is everything <laughs> as we no. talk about Kareem Jackson. He's been suspended without pay for four games for violations of unnecessary roughness rules following Sunday's game against the Packers. Against Green Bay, Jackson was penalized and disqualified for an act of unnecessary roughness. In a letter to Jackson, um, John Runyon, Vice President of Football Ops, and wrote, former Titan. And former Titan. On the play in question, you delivered a forceful blow to the head neck area of a defenseless receiver. When you had the time and space to avoid such contact, you could have made contact with your opponent within the rules, yet you chose not to. He noted Jackson has had multiple offenses for personal fouls this season for violating player safety-related rules, including a similarly flagrant hit in Week 2 against Washington, for which he was disqualified. Jackson will be suspended for games against Kansas City, Buffalo, Minnesota, and Cleveland and eligible to return to the Broncos active roster on Monday, November 27th, following the team's 20, November 26th game against the Browns. Uh, he can appeal the suspension. He so, can. Yeah, I just don't know, <laughs> at this point, why? Uh, man, Let's you see know, how that goes for you. But this guy, I mean, I don't know. I'm not – I don't want to say the dude just, you know, is, is dirty, but crap. I mean, I mean four, you, games in, four games this year, you've been flagged for unnecessary roughness? I mean, how do you not? And you've been disqualified twice? I mean, could walk like a duck? Yeah. Man. I don't know. I, <laughs> I hate that for him, but, you know, again, like Mr. Runyon said, you could have done it within the rules. You chose not to. So there you go. Let's take a break. College football on the other side of it. We've got Monstars as well. We'll hand out some hardware. So stick around. Main Street Sports today. We'll be back to the Lee Company studio in just a moment. <sighs> the biggest racing show of the year Friday through Sunday November 3rd through 5th at Nashville Fairground Speedway six fast-paced divisions of racing on the quarter mile Friday night pole qualifying in three big feature events Saturday night and the curb records big machine vodka spike coolers all American 400 on Sunday afternoon racing starts at 630 Friday 5 o'clock Saturday and 1 o'clock Sunday tickets available at Nashville Fairground Speedway racing or at the gate on race day it's the 39th all-american 400 weekend Friday through Sunday November 3rd through 5th get your tickets now Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. 
Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We've got some college football to talk about, but before we do that, we're going to give you the Monstars. Oh, yeah, I love that. That's, that's good stuff. JK, you got any Monstars to throw out? Um, give are me you there? There you are. We were doing. Turn your mic up, JK. Yeah, turn your mic up just a turn little. Turn it up. And, and yeah, we, can, we got you. Gotcha. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, I honestly wasn't. didn't know if we were doing this segment, so can I go third? Yeah, yeah, you're good. I just wanted to give you. I wanted to give you a chance if you were no, no, if you were ready. Definitely, my, t- my face. All right, too. we'll see. Yeah, just go check out your. Go see who is a uh, who killed, dude. We had this is this is crazy. In my fantasy league this week, we had a guy whose team every single player. Like he scored 178 points this week. Lamar Jackson, Deontay Foreman both had 33 plus. Pacheco had 16. Um, Jacoby Myers had 18. Waddle had 12. Christian Kirk had 18. His <laughs> tight end from Baltimore had 22. Uh, and he had Drake London in his flex who had 11. The bad part is, had he played Gus Edwards as his flex, he could have had 10 more points. He would have scored 188 points. That's insanity. <laughs> Just the entire Baltimore team. No, I sorry, uh, Brady. <laughs> Everybody scored, huh? God. Yeah, I had a I had Christian Kirk on my I had Christian Kirk on my bench, and so he was waving oh, for me. 
That's unfortunate. From the bench, yeah. He was like, "Hey, I'm gonna get 16 this week." Forgot to tell you. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Sit there. <laughs> well, I, I played Cole Kmet, who had zero points. Did not mm. have a target. That's so tough. Like, don't you from feel the like... guy who played it some. Where did I? What did we say? I sent you that picture of the the Bears quarterback. Oh, wherever he played Colorado last year. Colorado School of Mines, Mines or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't even talk there. Oh, that's Mimes. No, yeah. Oh. I just, whenever they whenever they go zero target, zero touches, it's like, like I, you know, they don't owe me anything. But why? Like what? What happened? Like you know, just give me something. I don't care. It's <laughs> trivial. Just tell me one reason why you didn't play today. You played, but you didn't play. <laughs> so glad I don't play fantasy football. Um, so who's going? You. Okay. Go for it. Um, you know, I go high school, college football, um, pro. So my high school monster <laughs> opened the game with an 80-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, closed it with an 83-yard pick six. Darian Mesa of Mount Pleasant, that was his night in a 35-21 win over Hickman County. Jeez. Dude has five returns for touchdowns in four games. It doesn't make any sense. I, I, I just, I got nothing. So, all right, I will go and I will start in college. Clemson tight end and former Ravenwood Raptor, Jake Brenningstool, who had 126 yards on five catches and two touchdowns in Clemson's loss to Miami, which set a Clemson school record for receiving yards by a tight end. And loss. That's right. <laughs> but he was targeted 10 times, had 25.2 yards per catch, so, and was the highest graded player via PFF on the team. Big day, big big day for for Jake. That's a great day for the former Ravenwood standout, but the payoff was seeing Dabo at the end of that ball game. It was great. It was great. It was great. J.K., have we stalled enough for you? Yes, uh, yes. So although I have a sports hatred, not a personal hatred towards the Chiefs, I. You know, I'm remit, I, I have to call out the elephant in the room. Patrick Mahomes was perfect in the first half of football against uh, they play against the Chargers this past Sunday, and uh, got to call it 300, 324 yards in the first half. I mean, it's just stupid. That is stupid. I don't know why I even played the second half, but I mean, I'm glad yeah. you did because I needed all the help I could get. Just, I mean, unbelievable. He's, he is my quarterback. He's your quarterback. There you go. That's my <laughs> yeah. quarterback. Dude's That's insane. Funny. And he, yeah. Funny everybody's like, you know, they're uh what happened to Chiefs? What happened to him? It's like I don't, I've seen the same Chiefs the past three three, four years, like but they're saying they needed that flash of Mahomes to show show everybody again. I'm like, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, we know what's up. We got it. <laughs> my turn. It's your turn. My turn. Um my college monster. Virginia running back Mike Hollins scored three touchdowns in the Cavaliers' 
31-27 upset of North Carolina. Um, little background, Hollins was one of five Virginia players that were shot, three of whom were killed last November by a former teammate. So big day for him, big win for Virginia. How about that? Huge win for Virginia. Jeez. First win over an FBS team this year. Yeah. And Unbeat, previously unbeaten North Carolina. I, in Chapel Buddy, Hill. I got nothing. Yeah. So I've got nothing. I don't know if this guy is related to anyone we know, but out of Trousdale County, Cole Gregory. Can't be. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of Gregory, so I just don't know. Can't be. It's too athletic. Nine of 17 passing. Doesn't sound great. But on those nine completions, he went for 324 yards and three touchdowns. That's efficient. Nine completions for 324? Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> Trousdale County doesn't throw it a lot. And so you get caught in the box and up, and when they throw it over the top, it goes big. That's what twenty-five yards. A no more than that. Thirty-five yards. Yeah, it's a completion. <laughs> you said three twenty-four. Three twenty-four. So that's 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 a little more than thirty-two point four. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> whatever that is. Thirty-six. Thirty-six yards of per completion. Per, per, per completion. He also ran sixteen times for two hundred and three yards and three more scores and had ten tackles on defense, including two for a loss. Gee. <laughs> well, he slept well, but he slept late <laughs> Saturday. We'll see y'all on Sunday. Well, yeah. everybody except Cole, he can sleep as long as he wants. Yeah, you, you, you just wait. As long as you wake up in time for school Monday morning, it'll be just fine. <laughs> you yeah. do whatever you need to Good do. Yeah, you don't Cole, even have to come to film Sunday, dude. Just Cole Gregory, Trousdale County. Uh, that's 527 right. total yards, and six, ten six touchdowns, and 10 tackles. Almost Two had as many touchdowns as tackles. Mm. <laughs> had to give him – and, and if you would like to go vote for the Main Street Preps Football Player of the Week brought to you by Delta Dental on MainStreetPreps.com, you can do that where you can find Cole Gregory as one of the 10 or 11 – I can't remember. It's – Ish, uh, players who are up for that award. Justin? Um, I'm going to go with mine's – mine's a double double thing. Um, I'm shouting out quarterbacks that supersede their overpaid uh, <laughs> um, starters. Tyson Bagent, first start ever in the NFL, and he got a win, which is the first time that's happened in Bears history in 20 years. That's crazy. And then Tyrod Taylor uh, basically showing Daniel Jones you can throw the ball and not take that. Shout out to them. No, it's a little go. aggressive, but I'm, Kevin Byer got tra traded, so I'm upset. Yeah, so you're a little, you're a little grudgeful. I right. um, Is it my time? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to recognize a couple of defensive guys. Um, first of all, Washington defensive tackle Jonathan Allen 
Who who cares what he did on the field? Nobody cares what he did on the field. (laughs) But after the Commanders' fourteen-seven loss to the Giants, fourteen-seven in the NFL, he was not very happy, and he expressed his unhappiness in no uncertain terms. And we can't play the video, but let me just tell you. Ryan Clark said he looked like a WWE superstar. <laughs> Five. There were nine total bleeps in 15 seconds, five of which were of the highest degree. So, I mean, just go Google Jonathan Allen and be prepared to be entertained. But also, um, Columbia Central linebacker Malik Smith, after escorting the eventual homecoming queen, Hey, that's a good day. Well, that that is a good day. It's a good day to start. That's a good day. He he escorted the homecoming queen, Gia Sharp, Friday night. Then he scored twice on defense in the first half. Had a 25-yard pick six and a wasn't a fumble recovery because he just took the ball from dude and went 71 yards the other way for another score in the Lions 38-3 win over Lawson. So I wish I wish I'd had video. I don't typically shoot teams on defense, but I would have been too stunned anyway. I, yeah. the, the description doesn't do it justice. So, yeah, um, I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey. Listen, bro, the stats are crazy. The stats are insane. Okay, the statistics are insane, mm-hmm. but to do it, oh yeah, with the eyeballs. That are on him right now. <laughs> Someone in our group chat, in our fantasy football group chat, said, you know, Kelsey just seems to always be open. And I don't understand this. It would be like 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 kicking the Darian Mace. It, yeah. it would be <laughs> the equivalent of choosing not to guard Steph Curry at the three point line. Well, dude, Mahomes and him have this backyard, like, weird connection where, like, he'll <laughs> move his head a little bit to the right, Mahomes will, and he'll just, like, know which shoulder he's going to throw it to. It's the weirdest thing to see on replay. I know you've but, seen it. But last night, there was a third down, seven or eight to go. Kelsey runs to the sticks, turns around, and there's mm-hmm. nobody around him. It does seem to be that way. What the period. heck are you doing? How do you lose that guy? Especially I on camera, it blows my mind. How do you lose that guy? Right. Anyway, to yeah. do to do what he did, one on Sunday Night Football. Two, the eyeballs that are on him via Taylor Swift. You have you got to have some steel. Yeah. Why are so many people irritated with the Taylor Swift involvement? Big. I think it was a little overdone, maybe. Or Kelsey even commented on that. Is it, though? I'm, I mean, I don't think. I, don't I mean, know. how many times? People are bothered by I mean, People are truly bothered. And it's ridiculous. And I don't get it. Yeah, like, I get it. It's good I, for the game. Yeah, it's good for the game. There you go. Anyway, last one, Justin. Um, I'm going to go Gardner Minshew still being electric in the NFL. How about it with <laughs> – 
Listen to this stat line. The Colts are a problem. Three hundred. Well, not for us. No. <laughs> for the Jags. Yes, Two touchdowns, one interception, three fumbles. Like Ooh. what? This guy's gonna. It's just. He's a new Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love it. You know, it's <laughs> funny you say that because I <laughs> I had a memory on my Facebook pop up about someone you know had mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick should be a Hall of Famer. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about that, but he's certainly a Hall of Fame-worthy teammate because right. that guy was the most selfless human being to ever put on a uniform. Mm-hmm. Gave zero care whether he was out there or not, but if he was on the field, he was going to give you 110%. Yeah. And, you know, they called it Fitz Magic. We've got Minshew Magic or Minshew Mania. You've I'm telling that's a very, very solid comparison. Yeah, like he you don't I heard a good point. Uh someone said, you don't if Garner Mitchell plays for you and his quarterback, no one walks out of that game wondering who was your quarterback. <laughs> They're like, that was who's Gardner Mitchell? Like, you know. There you <laughs> so, go. That's absolutely yeah. accurate. So all right. We got a couple minutes left. Should Caleb Williams sit out the rest of the year? Emmanuel Acho Acho says so. Is that silly? Brett McMurphy says it's a clown take. If anyone would know, he would. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, I think I think it kind of takes one to know one. I mean, I I don't know that it's I not a clown that. take, but I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Acho. Not necessarily a fan of that specific take. Uh, I don't know. Uh, everybody has to do what they feel like is best for them. I get that. And if he feels like taking the rest of the season off as we sit here in late October, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Oh, what does that say to NFL teams, though? Right. That's the question. What does it say? I mean, what else are you going to quit on? What else are you going to turn your back on? What else are you going to we're, say? We're I've got other of, interests that are more important than this. We're out of the division race. and so No sense in me playing. Yeah. yeah. He's already trying to get, tried to say that he wants ownership. Partial ownership, which, is, which is not allowed. Not allowed. <laughs> Correct. I was having this conversation at the barbershop the other night. I mean, the fact that he and whoever's advising him don't know that that's not allowed and it gets said and gets circulated the way it did makes me wonder about not just him, but whoever's advising him. Yeah. (laughs) And this is just something else that makes me wonder not just about him, but whoever's advising him. I mean, who's in his entourage? Who is he listening to? Whoever it is, is a problem. Yeah. Um, how far behind Danny knows is Sam Pittman? Does that depend on how well the offense performs going forward? Because they got a bye week. I don't know. Is Sam Pittman realistically on the hot seat? I mean, I know that there's been a lot of talk. I know that they've been disappointing this year, especially with the senior quarterback. But I think the question what is this year three, three. Yeah. With the best quarterback running back duo in the country. As we've said on this show more than once. 
But I don't think I don't think Arkansas can fire Sam Pittman after three years. I know this season has been disappointing, but you know, somewhat not to the same level as Josh Heupel in Tennessee. But I think overall, this two and a half, three years has been more than Arkansas had a right to expect to this point, coming from where they were coming from. It's not like the cover was bare, though. They had KJ Jefferson. <laughs> this is this is the this is the problem that Arkansas fans have. Is he he overperformed in year one? He, he overperformed. Heifel overperformed last year, and Which so his, you create created the monster, you, but nobody wants to see Marshall no more. They want Shady. I'm chopped liver. That's the way it goes. Bottom line, <laughs> you create that overblown expectation, and then you got to live up to it. And then when you don't, all of a sudden they're talking about you need to be gone. I just don't think it's realistic. But but they, where does reality come into college football? But they lost seven to three to Mississippi State. They you know at least one three two lost at home to BYU. And BYU isn't very good this year, are they? No, no. They were a lot better then than they are now. Yeah. I mean, but they only lost by three to Alabama on the road. So whatever. They, if they go down to to Florida, get a win, you know, maybe they beat Auburn at home. Maybe they're playing Missouri to for a chance to go to a bowl game. I don't know. I but get, I want to get to this next one though. So wrap this one anyway, up. Anyway, <laughs> I, I I'm a, I agree with you. I agree with you that I think it's too early. But is what is the next one? The the one right under Arkansas. Should should Penn State just be content with where they are in the Big Ten pecking order? I don't know if they should be or not, but I can't imagine they are. But and should they be? That, that, they're definitely not. Hmm? Is Penn State Tennessee? Or is Penn State Georgia? And I know that sounds goofy, but is my I guess my point is, is Penn State a coach away? From At this point, you got to wonder if they aren't a coach away. Because, I mean... You remember when we talked about Tennessee during the Pruitt years and we felt like Tennessee is a victim of bad hires? Mm -hmm. The right person can take this thing back to the top and then in comes Heupel. And in year two, he over overachieves. But still. But James Franklin isn't Jeremy Pruitt. He's not even Butch Jones. No. He's a, he's a, he is a Mark Richt coach, right? He's a Mark Richt. He's going to get you nine and three, 10 and two. You're going to be, you know, if you weren't in a dadgum division with Michigan and Ohio, Ohio State, State every year, I mean, he wins the West every year. He's played for five Big Ten titles at this point mm -hmm. if he if Penn if stays in the, in the West. So I think that's where you got to get to. So I, I don't know. I think that's a discussion that we definitely need to have a lot further. And we might want to have it with someone. From Pennsylvania, like Nebias Wilburn. Or someone who has been in Pennsylvania anyway. So yeah. 
Let's have that conversation later this week. We'll mm-hmm. see you guys tomorrow on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint the Lee Company Studio. Have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.